Thanks, as always, for the download, the stream, however you're listening to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And I want to tell you about the best way to listen to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, and that's through Stitcher Premium. If you go right now to stitcher.com slash notsam and sign up for Stitcher Premium, not only are you going to be able to get first dibs on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, each and every week it comes out, you'll get it exclusively ad-free over at Stitcher Premium, no ads on the whole podcast, and twice a month, every other Monday or so, we're going to be putting out a brand new show called Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, Captive Audience, where I will sit down with somebody I'm close with that doesn't necessarily watch a ton of wrestling and show them some of the worst shows that the WWE Network has to offer. I'm talking about Nitros from the early 2000s. I'm talking about pay-per-views. I'm talking about the old, old, old school stuff. Whatever you can think of. And of course, it becomes an interactive experience when you guys not only get to watch along, but get to suggest what bad wrestling we're watching. And I have to try to explain to a non-wrestling fan. The goal is always going to be to get them on board, whether it's my wife, my dad, my buddy, whoever it is. I'm going to want to get them on board with realizing that wrestling is cool, but it's going to be a challenge because I'm going to have to do it while showing them some of the worst that wrestling has to offer. The only way you're going to be able to listen to that show is if you sign up for this podcast at Stitcher Premium, stitcher.com slash notsam. Wait till you hear this. It's 5 bucks a month or $35 a year, which is the deal of the century. For 35 bucks a year, you'll get Stitcher Premium. You'll get this show ad-free. You'll get the exclusive Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast captive audience show. And get this. One call, one, 35 bucks a year, that's it. You're going to get access to every show, not just the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast Premium, but every show that Stitcher Premium has to offer. Go to stitcher.com slash notsam. It's the best way to listen to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It's the best way to support Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Uh, and the best thing that you can do uh, right now, well, hit pause, go to Stitcher, Sign up for Stitcher Premium, sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I got my... Howard Finkel action figure this week. A buddy that I met on Twitter sent it over. Mattel put him out in a -a Build-A-Figure set. If you buy Ravishing Rick Rude, Cowboy Bob Orton, Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase in the Green Tux, and an Iraqi Sympathizer Sergeant Slaughter, which to me is one of the great figures Mattel has done. Sergeant Slaughter with a turban and everything. If you buy all four figures... Uh, you get a piece of the Fink with each figure, and when you buy the set, you get to build him. And I, I do have a Howard Finkel action figure. It's amazing within weeks adding Mean Gene Okerlund and Howard Finkel to my WWE action figure collection. You have to love what Mattel is doing. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Uh, speaking of love, thank you for all the love on last week's episode. Uh, I know uh, it resonated with Renee Young. It resonated with me. We were very, very happy with how many of you really enjoyed uh, last week's show. And that video is going to be up on YouTube.com slash NotSam. Of course, 
the Titus O'Neil video from two weeks ago is up now on YouTube. But uh, it's going to be it's it's a fun video to watch because it's just a conversation, conversation amongst two people. So uh, I I yeah I I appreciate all you guys uh, loving it. I love the Renee Young interview to tell you the truth. I thought it it provided a lot of insight into a person that I think a lot of us as fans are interested in, especially as she's uh, developed uh, within the WWE over the last, like, five years. Uh, So that was very, very exciting. This week, I'll talk about... This is what I'm going to talk about in the bridge segment. So if you skip over that segment between the interview and State of Wrestling, uh, you're missing out. I got to see an exclusive... it It was only a few of us. I'll tell you who was there. HBO... Actually, I'll tell you who was there during the bridge segment. But HBO... uh provided a few of us with an advanced screening of the Bill Simmons Andre the Giant documentary that uh, teasers have been out. It comes out in the beginning of April on HBO. Um, and I won't tell you what I thought of it. I, I tweeted about it, so you know there's some hint about it, and I Instagrammed. But I'll get more into detail during the bridge segment after this week's interview. Um, but it'll definitely it's definitely worth talking about. Very, very interesting. And it's an interesting time for wrestling documentaries in general, especially the precedent that was set by the Ric Flair 30 for 30, the XFL 30 for 30. It's just the wrestling stories are starting to enter into the mainstream in an even bigger way than when that movie The Wrestler came out. It's uh, it's very, very interesting because the true stories of these guys are starting to hit not wrestling fans, but mainstream sports fans and just people. So, uh, and, and it's only, it's only a good thing. It's a really, really good thing for the wrestling business in general. But we're going to talk about the Andre the Giant documentary in the bridge segment. We're going to talk about the wrestling business in general in State of Wrestling, because I have a a rant to go on. Uh, But my guest this week, you could probably tell by looking at the title of this week's episode, is none other than Booker T. If Last week during the State of Wrestling, I talked about who I might want to get on, and it's kind of a lot of pressure these days. I, I, I really liked the last three podcast we put I mean I've, 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 I love doing this podcast but the interviews that we put out I loved the JBL Bruce Pritchard Eric Bischoff podcast I think the Titus O'Neil interview was this great interview that a lot of people didn't expect because people don't know Titus O'Neil like that but that turned out to be this amazing thing I thought the Renee Young interview was great so I said how do I follow all this up last week we were talking about the battle that was raging on the internet between Corey Graves and Booker T so I wanted to get Corey Graves on the podcast because he's a buddy. And unfortunately, Corey, I mean, here's what people don't realize realize about Corey Graves. Okay, he's the only guy who is now the voice of everything. He's the voice of Raw. He's a voice of SmackDown. He does uh the mixed he does mixed match. Uh he he he's doing video game stuff right now for for the next WWE video game. He's on all the pay-per-views the pay-per-views that are dual branded, he ends up doing every single match because he's on all the shows. It's it's amazing the amount. Well, when we were there in in where was it? In Philly for NXT Takeover, he was there kicking in for the NXT Takeover kickoff show. The amount of work, the volume that Corey Graves has to handle is kind of insane. So I always feel bad reaching out to him being like, "Hey bro, you want to come over and do this podcast?" Uh but I did. Because I promised I would, and he did say he didn't have time last week. You know, he also, by the way, on top of all those WWE responsibilities that I just listed, he's got a family and children. Okay, this is a father who loves his family. So 
I've got to tear him away from his family to get him on the podcast. And I will. I promise you I will. Last week was just too short notice. He couldn't do it. So I said, okay, Graves. Oh, what's wrong? Ridiculous work responsibilities. Oh, a family. Oh, well, guess what? I'm getting Booker T then. I'm getting your mortal enemy. The guy that you have more heat with in the locker room than uh, Macho Man did with Hogan. Booker T is going to be my guest on the podcast. And I reached out to him and I reached out to his co-host Brad Gilmore from Heated Conversations, the podcast that Booker T does, which is also a radio show if you're there in Houston. Um, and I said, I said, Brad, we got to make this happen. And, and Book was down, and uh, we did it. Just uh, uh, 24 hours removed from the publishing of this podcast is when this interview went down. So, of course, Booker, uh, he rocked the world with his Corey Graves feud that ended up being, uh, I get, uh, see, people call it a hoax. And maybe we should talk about this more in the bridge segment. Maybe I should let you listen to the interview, and then we'll, we'll, we'll discuss once the interview is done. I think that's exactly what we should do. Uh, let's get right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, my guest, and by the way, we talk about the Corey Graves stuff, and then we start getting into uh, l- being in WCW and surviving while the NWO was so hot, and then coming over to WWE and making that transition, and some of the ridiculous things that he's had to do in WWE, and whether or not he wanted to, and, and, and if he said no to stuff, and so much to talk about with this Hall of Famer, Booker T. Uh, so why would I keep it from you any longer, ladies and gentlemen, this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, my exclusive interview with Booker T. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Well, uh, I guess now is as appropriate time as ever to welcome uh, to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, ladies and gentlemen, the five-time, 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 five-time WCW champion of the world, uh, the legend, the Hall of Famer, Booker T. Welcome, Booker. Hey, man. What's going on, Sam? How are you? Man, I'm doing grand, man. I feel good. I feel, man, I feel like, you know, uh, like float like a butterfly, sting <laughs> like a bee. That's yeah. the way I feel right there. Right, right. <laughs> nobody's nobody's throwing you off your jobs to go work uh, local radio in the afternoons <laughs> I, or anything like yeah. that? I'm still a little hot about that comment. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were like, wait a minute. We were joking until that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, now you're looking for a whooping. <laughs> so, so, like, I'll tell you my experience with the whole Booker T. Corey Graves controversy, and I love that on Heated Conversations uh, this week, it finally came to a head, and this thing that was, like, perfect, like, up until, like, you saying, I want Corey Graves to call into my show, and then Corey tweeting out, hey, you got my number. And and then it just pops up and it's kind of what I assumed it was, but I, 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 my view on it was too close. That's why I didn't get involved. I didn't want to spoil it for anybody. I didn't want to say anything, but like, so I saw you last on Royal Rumble Sunday in the building, you know, and you, cause you were going back and forth doing commentary for, for some of the show and you were sitting there and Otunga was there. And backstage, jokingly, you were yelling at Otunga about how you were only supposed to be filling in for him for six weeks and it's been eight months. And, yeah. and when are you going to be able to get off commentary and whatever? Everybody's joking around. But point being, you got a family. You want to go home. <laughs> and the next day, I see the news. Jonathan Coachman's on Raw. And I go, oh, that seems like it's great news for Booker. because And, it, and you're going to be <laughs> doing the pre-shows again. So I go... 
You know, no, and uh, no offense to Otunga at all, but good news for me because I love doing those pre-shows with Booker. Um, and and you don't have to leave your family every single week to go travel for Raw. But <laughs> unbeknownst to me, about a week later, it was Corey Graves the whole time who had taken you uh, off of Raw commentary. I guess there was this <laughs> tension in the air that I somehow missed. Of all the times I've been in the same room of you and Graves, I missed all this tension that was there. But I'm not there every day, so maybe I missed it. Yeah. And uh, and you were ready to, not at an airport, not in an arena, but on the street or to Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> Whoop that ass. Um and like, look, I, 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 I hear you doing this. And in my mind, I go, OK, I think this is just Booker and, and Brad Gilmore does the show with Booker. I think this is just those guys goofing around. And if I know Graves, he's going to realize exactly what this is and he's going to goof around right back with him. And that's kind of what happened. But I guess my question is, did you have any idea that people wanted to see in 2018 you could get people this interested in a potential Corey Graves versus Booker T match. Wow. You know, that that's the thing right there. You know, not in a million years. I, I, you know what the thing was? I, when me and Brad did it, I, I, before I said it, I said, now I know all of the dirt sheets are probably going to pick this up. <laughs> like Meltzer, you know, and all the rest of them. I know those guys are going to pick this up. So let me just, you know, get it out there. You know, yeah, Corey Grace is the reason <laughs> I'm not on Monday Night Raw anymore. Yeah, he's the reason, of course. Yeah. And the thing was, you know, Brad and I, we just had a last segment, you know, of 14 minutes that we had nothing to talk about. Not a thing. <laughs> not one thing. So we tried to fill in time, you know, just so, you know, our sponsors, you know, and our, the station won't get mad at us, you know. Well, yeah, you but, got, I mean, but, that's the thing about talk radio is you can't, there's no like, okay, I guess we're done. Like you yeah. have a time slot that you have to fill. Bottom line. Right. So we fill, we filled a time slot, and um, Corey Graves was just the, the brunt of it. But the thing was, on Twitter, on social media, people been asking for the longest, do Booker T and Corey Graves really got heat? Just because of a few looks that I've given him, you know, on Monday Night Raw. Like, I really want to beat him up. But what this proves, though, Sam, what this proves is wrestling is still alive. The angles are still alive. The storylines could still be valid, you know, if, if one played them properly, you know what I mean? Because people really thought I was upset with Corey Graves to the point that, you know, Forbes, USA Today, you know, um, SB Nation, Sports, Sports Illustrated, yeah. everybody picked it up. Um, the, the, these journalists that went to college, you know, <laughs> uh, for, for this, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what that's what's really crazy. But wrestling is still tr truly alive as well as it let me know that Booker T is still valid. Somebody still think that Booker T whooped that ass <laughs> in a heartbeat. That's I, what that's what I take from this whole thing. I did. I said on my podcast, I said, look. In my personal opinion, without getting too much into it, I would imagine these are two guys just goofing on each other. But if it's not, as much as I love Graves and as much as I think that he could win a lot of fights, he's a guy who's scrapped in his life, I do think Booker would whoop that ass. Booker's, <laughs> Booker's lived that life. Um, so, so I loved, first of all, the way you framed it, the way you just described it just now was you saying, look, I know this is going to end up on the dirt sheets. So you almost pushed the dirt sheets into talking about it because they now all of a sudden they think like oh no yeah booker i was going to talk about this and now that he's said it I, I really i definitely should publish it um but do you think because of this I, I guess because us fans are are closer to the business than we've ever been before it's funny to yeah. me because 
people are treating this like it's either work or a shoot, work or a shoot. Like it's those words, right? That, that, yeah, okay, well, yeah. if it's, if it's a work, then what's the payoff and, and, yeah. and, and who's doing this and what, and there's never like, there's never a moment where people are stopping and being like, wait, these are two guys that just kind of goof around and, and know each other and are friends with each other. Like, couldn't it just be not a work, not a shoot, but a guy goofing on his friend and his friend goofing back, and it just happens to be a couple of friends that a lot of eyes are on. You know, you said it. You just said it right there. Two guys joking around. Um, Brad and I, we laughed the whole 14 <laughs> segments. I mean, it was so entertaining. We literally, I mean, Brad was almost crying and, and literally had to walk away from the mic several times. You know what I mean? Because like, 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 like you said, you know, I'm going to catch him. You know, I ain't going to do nothing to him at the job. Not the job. I'm no, not going to do no. nothing to him at the airport. You wouldn't do it in the airport. But if I catch him on the street. In a Starbucks. You know, if I catch him in Starbucks. Or, or get that tattoo. Result. I'm going to yeah. have a tattoo. You know, I'm going to rearrange this booth on how I do. You know, I get mean when you mess with my green. Now, see if I'm joking. You know, I mean, come on now. If that's not a wrestling promo. Right. Uh, this, this was the funniest thing, Sam. Um uh, Charmel uh, was reading reading it back to me. Um, one of the articles, I think it was the Forbes article. If you go back and read the Forbes article, um, actually, um, the, the 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 writer he actually was it, he had to be black. No, no, <laughs> seriously, I think I think he was a black writer. Okay, um, and he and he, and he uh, formed the story uh, uh, to the point to where it went from me being beating up Corey Grave to race in professional wrestling. And I'm like, wait a minute. How did that happen? You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, I mean, it's a black guy wanting to fight a white guy. That has nothing to do with race, you know, relations or anything. And, and it was just funny to me to see how they took it. And, 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 and there that's again, when you know, by the way, that's when you know that you've gone too far when, when, when the reports start going like, and not only is this a clear problem to anybody watching, but it's a systemic problem within the industry. And you're like, wait, wait. The, the systemic problem was uh, he was talking about black commentators. He was like, well, you know, um, they don't have Booker T back on commentary now. They, so they put coach out there. They got, you know, they got Baron Saxon over here and did down in NXT. You know, they got, you know, uh, Percy Watson, you know, and, and, and so, so that you can see they're really trying with their diversity. Now, the, mm -hmm. the, 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 my question is this. Why is that, uh, you know, a, a topic of conversation as well as if it wasn't a black commentator up there, that would be the topic of conversation. So <laughs> people are always trying to make something out of nothing, just like this story between Corey Graves and I. So much news out there in the world, Sam, yeah. that should be covered. That's real news that, you know, and, and myself and Brad, we don't try to give a whole lot of validity to Trump's fake news. But when you see stuff like that, when you hear stuff like that and you're a part of it what can you say you can't turn a blind eye you gotta talk about it and you gotta call these fake reporters out like the Meltzers who said he confirmed that Booker <laughs> T and Corey Graves really hurt each other from his sources they really have heat. who yeah. is his sources you know what I mean that's what I want to know you I would, know because I would love to know say, no one called him for a statement no uh -huh. one called me for a statement but I tell you if they can get those clicks if they can get those people those views man they're happy these days and that, that's that's where our media is today sam and that's a sad sad state yeah does it blow your mind when it's one thing if it's like uh dave Meltzer, who's been you know a, a, a quote-unquote wrestling journalist but really whoa, 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 whoa. dirt sheet right right okay so, <laughs> so it's one thing if it's a dirt sheet it's one thing if it's one of these wrestling like rumor websites that you can you, you anybody who knows knows that if you look at quote-unquote news from those sources 80 to 90 percent of it is is wrong or it's leaked purposely so that so that a story gets told but did you ever think 
as many years as you've been involved in wrestling, that you would get to a point where the dirt sheets become a part of Forbes and Sports Illustrated and all these all these reputable websites. Did you ever think that dirt sheet writing would come to legitimate news sources? You know, let me tell you, Sam, uh, after the first night, after uh, Saturday night, uh, Brad Brad called me Sunday morning. Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, Brad called me early Sunday morning, and I'm like, why is Brad calling me on Sunday morning? And he goes, you know, Book, have you seen this? And I'll go, what are you talking about? He's like, man, this thing is everywhere. He, he said, maybe you should make a statement. And I go, <laughs> what? I'm not making a statement. What are you talking about? So uh, I, I, we blew it off. And, and the following Monday morning, mm-hmm. my phone ring again. And who it is? It's Brad. Brad <laughs> saying, no, Book. We really need to make a statement. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, Brad, Brad's from the radio world where he's starting to get worried. Like, we're losing control of the narrative here, Book. We, we got we to gotta do something here. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was like, man, Book, I mean, it's one thing, like you said, Sam, if it's, if it's you know, Meltzer or whomever. But it's another one. I see, like, I, I type in Booker T in Google and Forbes.com is running an article <laughs> like how Booker's going to run up on Sam Roberts because he gets mean when he mess with his green. And I was like, Book, I don't know. I know it's a big joke, but maybe we should say something or you know, maybe you should call Corey. And then I, I and there was actually on Monday was your anniversary, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And you called Corey Graves and, and then, you know, and he put out the Art of War tweet and, and then the afternoon radio thing. I mean, it was all just, it was phenomenally done. But like my thing was, it was never intended, like you said earlier, it was never intended to be a work. It wasn't a shoot, but people took it and they—I mean, I, they essentially worked themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know what, I'm st- Sam? I'm still wondering because, like I said, if you listen to—I did a rap song. You know, I did a rap. We song. played a Migos record. Yeah, and okay. Booker yeah. talks smack over yeah. Migos. Walking walk, walk like, walk like you're talking. You know, walking like you're talking. Right here. Walking like you're talking. Left hand. Walking like a talk, uppercut. Walking like a talk, tap out. Walking like a talk, choke out. Walking like a talk, Russell Mane. Walking like a talk, Russell Mane. I'm like, wait a minute. How could that be serious? I'm like, come on here. And we followed it up, by the way, by playing the Hulk Hogan diss by Macho Man Randy Savage. (laughs) I I heard that. I heard heard, be a man, Hulk, right? (laughs) It was good. Yeah. It was great. It was great. It was great radio. It really was. Right. And that's was. That's why I don't I really don't understand it. I really don't. That's the name of the game. I mean, there have been in in my life in radio, there have been uh like two or three famous people that have kind of taken shots at me and said, you know, unkind things. And when somebody like that takes a shot at me in a public way. Oh my, it's hours of, I mean, I don't care what, who says what about me, but it's out, it becomes hours and hours of radio because like you said, it's good radio. Was there any part of you, Buck, you're like an old school wrestling guy. Was there any part of you that is like, look, this isn't an angle. This isn't like a, we're not working. The, it's just a thing like that we're doing, but now it's become an angle. And now everybody's worked themselves into this thing. Was there any part of you that did not want to ever uh, uh, pull the curtain back. Yeah, I, I swear. For a minute, uh, I started to just run with it. But, but my thing, my thing is, I, I didn't, I did not want to do that because I wouldn't have been able to make my point. Right. And, and these these days, you know, it's it's not about me. I can honestly say that if it was about me, if I was one of these old guys, you know, that really wanted to limelight and wanted to, you know, bask in the glory of, you know, people talking about me, I wouldn't have said that this was not a work or anything like that. I would have made I would have ran it to the hilt. You know what I mean? But but my thing is this. I'm a totally different person. I'm in a totally different place in my life right now. And I really don't have time for stuff like this as far as people, you know, social media, you know, talking about, you know, 
trying to pit me and Corey Graves against each other. I mean, Corey Graves is a fine young man that's doing a great job in WWE, and he got a lot of people, you know, don't don't like him. A lot of people, you know, despise. Uh, I would even go to the point to say hate Corey Graves and think my thing is if Corey Graves got people feeling that way, he's doing his job. He's doing a great right. job. He's doing something a lot of guys on the roster need to learn how to do, and that's become a really, really good heel. At one point in time, Vicky Guerrero was like the top heel in the co- company, and I need these young guys to know exactly, you know, how to be able to tap in to exactly what these, you know, veterans, you know, are doing out there. How did I make people, you know, get into a frenzy like this by, you know, speaking in a certain tone, giving a certain look. That's what this thing is is truly all about. It's not about me at this time, but making a statement as far as these so-called journalists and these so-called publications, you know, writing stories to the point, you know, to where it's all fabricated, you know, it's all, you know, embellished to the point that it's not real, none non-factual um somebody need to call that out and um someone like me um saying it um i think people look at it and say maybe um we do need to look in you know these publications and whatnot well yeah and yeah, that's on on a mainstream level like let's take a real look at what's going on here but also uh on a on a performer level like i think that it's a lesson and there have been a couple guys who have done this well in terms of utilizing things like social media or as many guys as have podcasts and stuff now using podcasts and things like that to let wrestling escape the TV show because that's when people really get worked up, right? Because when, when, when a guy goes on and goes like, well, you know, Raw is just a TV show. I'm a different guy and these guys are – and really just exposes everything. It becomes difficult to, to lose yeah. yourself uh, in, in what's going on on Monday night. But when you have things where – you're questioning like, oh, no, 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 I think this is real because he wouldn't be posting on Twitter about this. Well, Booker wouldn't be going on his radio show and saying this. Well, you know, I did notice some tension there and I bet. No, I bet that was real. That's yeah. when that's when people really start to care. Right. You know, I, I really honestly, truly believe you just said something, you know, um, I always used to look at my performance like, you know, it, it had to be something totally different than everyone else on the card that night. It was almost as if, you know, I will put myself in a fan's, you know, um, um, seat and, and I will say, you know, okay, now I'm sitting with my buddy and I say, hey, 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 John, check this match out right here. You know, watch these two guys, man. Watch how they work. And then the next match come out and I go, hey, John, hey, man, check these guys out, you know, and, and you know, look, look, look at their performance. And then Booker T comes out and I say, hey, John, hold up. Now, now you check this guy here. Right. This this dude's bad. Now <laughs> you look at this guy different than everybody else on the show, and we're all doing the exact same thing. That's what I need these young guys to be able to tap into the looks, the 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 certain um you know um, gestures you have you know when you're out there performing, making it as real as you possibly can, staying in the moment. Staying in the moment is very very important uh, for these guys in their careers and and social media. They can use it um to their um, advantage uh, opposed to just looking at how many followers they have from, you know, you know, how many, um, you know, uh, this is awesome chance we got from the match we had last night. You right. know, that 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 what I need these young guys to understand more than anything. Let's tap into the realism of the professional wrestling, the art of the game, the Shakespeare, the Romeo and Juliet, the Phantom of the Opera of what we <laughs> what we really honestly, truly do. Yeah. And, and you know, you said something really, really interesting about uh, Corey Graves not being afraid of of getting hated by people because that's what he's supposed to be doing. Uh, and Bruce Pritchard was on the podcast like a couple weeks ago and he was bringing, I think it was Bruce who was bringing up that, uh, 
one of the big problems that he's had to deal with and that he sees continuing is that people get afraid of heat. That the, the heat comes and, you know, where 20 years ago, if the building rioted, it was a good night. Now, a lot of performers, they like to hear the adulation, but they get, they get uh, nervous and they get scared of the heat when it becomes real. And, and they kind of don't want to do it anymore. You know, um, if these young guys only knew what Sergeant Slaughter had to go through when he turned on America. Oof. I mean, it, it was the it was the biggest thing in professional wrestling as far as heat goes, as far as a man needing, you know, security wherever he would walk, um, because it was about going out there and making those fans feel a certain way about this American that turned his back on us. Sergeant Slaughter, you got to be kidding me. Uh, so so that's what for, for me, um, the, the the heel role was was endeared. I wanted to go out there and make the fans really honestly truly despise me and 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 I say this you know I, I tell just to tell a little bit of story a little story here yeah. I was in uh, my first match in Canada a good friend of mine we we really close friends former uh, partner of mine you know in the in main event mafia uh, uh big Kevin Nash I had mm-hmm. a match with Kevin Nash and it was my first match in um Canada and Toronto Canada you know he had been there many many times before he people loved him you know as diesel you know when he went there now he's coming back you know, in WCW, still diesel to those fans over there in Canada. And he went out. They were NWO. He went out. He he gave everybody the NWO kiss, the little kiss sign that they would do. NWO in the house. Everybody in the in the crowd erupted. You know, and they had me. I'm back in the back listening to this. And I'm like, he's the bad guy, supposedly. <laughs> and I came. Okay, they played my music, and I walked out of the curtain, and they booed the crap out of me that's when i knew the nwo the bad guys was killing the business because they didn't they didn't want the heat they wanted the adulation that almost ruined the the nwo single-handedly almost ruined the business as far as bad guys good guys cowboys and indians you don't want to mess that up yeah and i've also always i've had a theory about the nwo and i'd love your perspective on it because you were there I feel like as many, you know, as many things as there are that quote-unquote killed WCW and it was the corporate merger and it was this guy being brought in and that guy having creative control, whatever, blah, blah, blah. To me, I thought that as uh, as important as the NWO was in terms of taking wrestling to a different level and bringing realism in and, and bringing a different audience to it, I always felt that the long-term effect on it was terrible for WCW because all of us fans, and I I know because I was watching, were conditioned to know that WCW is not cool. The NWO is cool. So once we get tired of the NWO, it didn't make WCW any cooler. We were conditioned to WCW not being cool. So I guess I guess we should go over to WWF now. <laughs> right? That's true too. You know, as well as you know the um, the thing was you know I'm I'm a, I'm huge as far as um, staying in the background as far as reality of wrestling goes my company right because I have to be able to you know look at it from a you know um, disposition you know almost from an outside perspective and, and the thing was um, with WCW the the big thing was you know turning Hulk Hogan heel. Hulk Hogan being the bad guy. We shouldn't do this. People don't want to see Hulk Hogan as the bad guy. Hulk Hogan is the ultimate good guy. But we say, okay, we're going to turn him into the bad guy. We turn Hulk Hogan into the bad guy with NWO 
but Hulk Hogan is still the good guy. <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense to me. And I was trying yeah. to develop it, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, wait a minute. He's still going out and doing the same thing. He still wants the people to love him. He's not a bad guy. What is going on here? And, and, and uh, I, had, I had this conversation with Eric Bischoff, and uh, you know, and he was asking me about the NWO, and I was telling him how they almost single-handedly ruined the business. He was like, wow, I, I didn't know you felt that way. You know, Well, I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I don't know how anyone, you know, uh, running a company um, could actually let something like that happen. You know, the NWO was a great, great idea, and it could have been a really, really cool um, faction if the bad guys were truly the bad guys. But that's when uh, fans start looking at, you know, um, the, the the good guy as the uh, I mean the, the good guy's the bad guy and the bad guy's the good guy and it totally messed up um, the flavor of what wrestling truly is. Right, and I mean that's when that's when WWE was able to step in and redefine those roles and go like, okay, well if you're gonna cheer a guy like Steve Austin who's a traditional bad guy, we're gonna show you a real bad guy, and here comes yeah. Mr. McMahon, right? Yes, indeed. You know, and, and and the real bad guy was Mr. McMahon, and then uh, the, the 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 bad guy Stone Cold McMahon, Stone Cold Steve Austin turned into the good guy who rebelled against <laughs> right. the, the office and the authority, which which made that totally work. You know, in a vice versa perspective for them than it did for us. You know, they knew how to work it properly, uh, opposed to you know WCW um, just. Almost, uh, I actually slipped on a banana peel and had a great idea in the <laughs> NWR. <laughs> so, I don't think they knew that was going to happen. <laughs> it wasn't like it was in a war room and somebody goes, hey, guys, I got an idea. You know, we need to come up with a faction. Oh, right. wait, I got an, I got a, hey, what about this? The NWO, the new world order. We're going to make T-shirts. Everybody's going to love it. Everything's going to be black and white. That's what we will do. That's what we will do this thing. It, it didn't happen like that. Trust me. Just like Booker and Corey didn't plan anything Exactly prior to my point. <laughs> right. It, it, so, it just so you're saying. It morphed into something <laughs> that was uh, so spectacular that it got to, um, to, to the point to where it. It got out of control. Um, NWO, um, um, red, red and black, uh, Wolfpack, mm -hmm. um, the LWO. Yeah. Uh, the I don't know how many WOs, but it so I promise we'll get back to Booker T momentarily. He's going to hit you with a Kevin Nash story that you're. I mean, it's unbelievable. However. Before we get there, people ask me all the time, where is the centralized location for everything that happens on the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast? And that's easy. NotSam.com. If you're not already going, make sure that you're checking it out. Number one, it gets updated with every Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. You'll be able to see a photo there. You, you can listen to the podcast for free on the website, whatever you want to do. Number two, the latest episode of Sam Roberts Now, my exclusive YouTube show, is published on NotSam.com, on the very front page, each and every single time you go. Number three, if you go up to the corner, there's a little link that says Not Sam Store. Click that link, and you will find the exclusive location of the Not Sam lapel pins. Available now, you can get the Not Sam logo, you can get the Sam Roberts caricature thing, uh, the little cartoon character. You can pin it onto your lapel, onto your book bag, onto your jacket, whatever you want to do, but you can declare your intention to ride with this Not Sam train as far as it'll take you. Go over to NotSam.com. If you're not already checking it out, make it a daily stop. Of course, you can also fill out the comment box, and that is the best way to communicate directly with yours truly, Sam Roberts, now.
Back to Booker T. Everybody want you know. I tell you, uh, Kevin Nash uh, came to me. He goes, "Book, hey, book. Uh, you know, uh, man. You know, this NWO thing's getting real hot, bro. You know, and uh, man, we need some color, man. You know, that's what it got. That's how he said it. You know, he said, we need some color, bro. You know, what you I mean, mean Vincent you know? just isn't yeah. cutting. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say Virgil yeah. wasn't cutting it. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, he goes, he goes um, we want to bring you in, man. You know, I go, man. Uh, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, no way. I said, I'm a solo act, man. I'm gonna stick it out on my own. You know, and I was the only one who had my own music. Everybody else was coming out of, to NWO music on the show. It was, it was, it was ridiculous. And uh, I think that was my come up. So, so are you terrified at any point when you're working in WCW? Like, you're like, okay, not so much because. Oh, you know, I want to be in the NWO because clearly you had no interest in being in the NWO. But when you're like, wait a minute, this is this is destroying the business and this is my business. Like I haven't I haven't hit my peak yet and I'm potentially watching everything get destroyed around me. Are you going, I got to get out of here or because you you stayed until the bitter end. Guys was paying me a lot of money. That's man. it. I, I, st- I still got WCW. <laughs> it's it's hard. <laughs> so you're saying it's hard to panic when you're rich. Exactly my point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the thing was, if the, if the if the bottom fell out, which um, you know, I, I tell my students all the time, preparation is the only luck you're ever going to have. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was prepared for when the bottom fell out. You know, I was one of the only guys prepared for when WCW folded and went under. You know, I was. I was looking to test myself and see how good I was with, you know, the best in the world in, in, the, in the WWE outfit at that time, WWE now. You know, so my, my thing was um, I, I knew, you know, you know, everything doesn't last forever in the way they were spending, you know, Ted Turner and Viacom's money back at that time. You know, I knew somebody was going to realize it soon as – tax season came around <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> once I mean, once the, the books get a once over exactly <laughs> you know so i'm like you know let me ride this as long as i could only thing i hate more than anything mm-hmm. um wcw closing down if they're just gonna close down six months later man i had a million two contract on the table uh, i've got it yeah uh, just give me the six months just give me the six, six months <laughs> six more months man i've been here 10 years give me six months you've never seen me in the wwe for at least for another year <laughs> you'd be on that ray mysterio schedule huh i'm serious man you know i gave up a lot of money to come to wwe i gave up you know, a lot of more six figures um, to come to WWE. I was bought out of my contract and um, I was willing to take that chance and go over because I was like, man, I can make that money back. You know, if I go go out there and get over, you know, go out there and put myself in a really good sure. position. But if, if they would have um, gave me that, that 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 big money contract, man, I'd have told, hey, man, I'm sitting on this. <laughs> right. Hey, hey, bro, I'm on vacation. I'll see you in a year. <laughs> see you in a year. <laughs> so were you at all assured like did you know that wwe had an awareness of you because you were one of the few guys that had never even dipped a foot into wwe did were you did you have any knowledge of whether wwe was aware of what you could bring to the table if they would have plans for you if they were interested in you well um yeah um, you know every time you know my contract would come up um in wcw uh, you know i would always get a, a call or someone would always let me know that it was a spot open for me if I was well, if I wanted to, you know, come over, you know, they couldn't do a whole lot of talking just because of contracts, um, um, regulations and whatnot. But um, mm-hmm. I was always aware that it was a spot for me okay. in the WWE as well as, you know, I remember when I finally got there, 
Um, I, I think I told the story um, uh, before somewhere. Um, I said, Linda McMahon, she goes, you know, we finally got you. You know, so it was really, really cool to actually be wanted in that company among all of the talent that was in WCW at that time to, you know, rise through the ashes, you know, from the bottom all the way to the top to, you know, close the company down as dual champion. It was a it was a great time for myself. And I knew I knew I was going to be. Uh, a, a WWE star, a superstar, you know, I mean, superstar. I, just need, I just need to change. Yeah. So when you have your first chance, which is that, uh, that episode of raw, it was your first match in a technically a WWE ring, but it was a WWE WCW ring. When they do that, that tester, when they do the one WCW match, and it's you and buff Bagwell, and it kind of have, has become just a notorious disaster. I mean, it, it was, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was a complete disaster. Do you, panic at that point like oh no how could this be or or did something else give you confidence you know i never panicked or anything like that um um that match was what it was it wasn't the match that um you know i, I dreamt of or anything like that it wasn't a match that i drew up you know especially with marcus bagwell because that's the guy that i work with literally um i could say i worked with marcus bagwell 50 times mm-hmm. easy you know perhaps more than that um, on the road, you know, overseas, you know, house shows, you know, TV. We had worked countless times, so it was like we could work in our sleep. But, you know, Marcus um, at that time, you know, he it was, you know, after he had had that neck surgery, um, he wasn't the same person that he was when we were working in our early days back in, you know, WCW. He wasn't, the, you know, um, you know, the same guy as far as having the nimble feet, you know, can can fly like, you know, like like myself at that time, you know, and, and myself, you know, um, I worked with Marcus uh, on a couple of house shows before that night. And I, I knew he wasn't prepared um, to go out and perform, you know, on in a main event situation on WWE television. And uh, I, I actually uh, elaborated that to uh, one of the. Uh, one of the agents, uh, I'm not going to say his name, you know, <laughs> actually I can say his name. He's a friend of mine, Johnny Ace. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Johnny, uh, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, you know, I don't think, um, this is going to be too good. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I don't think Marcus is ready um, to go out tonight and uh, pull this off, you know, and he, and he looks at me and he goes, book is out of my hands. Oof. And when he, when he said that, I understood, um, uh, exactly, you know, you know what he meant you know it's this is wcw's time y'all got to go out there and pull this off no matter what this is your moment you know so get it done however you can um i respect that <laughs> we went out there and um, it didn't um, come off proper um um definitely uh marcus wasn't prepared to perform that night due to certain reasons and um it was you know the first time i had ever got to chant um you know um you sucks, you sucks. Uh, this is all. This awesome. is boring. Right? Boring, boring. Yeah, it was. I got the boring chant. And it was first time in my career, and I ever got that. Did that and, shake uh, you when you get it for the first time? Are you like, ah? Uh... Uh, no, I knew what was happening. Okay. <laughs> you know? okay. I, I, I had a. My thing was, um, I, I had performed, you know, for many years at a very high level. Yeah. I always, I always, um, um, you know, said that I could go out and you know, work with a broomstick. I could work with the, you know, the guy, you know, that's working on a, a D level and make him look like he was an A, you know, worker. That that was something I pride myself in. But in that in this situation on that night, no matter what I did, that wasn't gonna happen. Um suffer and, and didn't have to, you know, go back and, you know, um suffer, you know, what what was, you know, coming. You know what I mean? Um and that's, you know, the office, you know, what happened out there? What happened, guys, you know, and 
you know, it, it wasn't a good night. It was one of those nights to where I said, man, you know, um, I'm going to have to put this behind me. I'm going to have to go back out there and redeem myself. And, um, and, and more importantly, those guys knew I could work. They knew, they knew I was a performer. Um, Dallas Page, he came in, and the following week, DDP and I, we went out there and we took it to another level. Dallas Page is not a guy that works on a you know, A level all the time, but he, he, his, his, his heart and how hard he worked is, is, you know, puts them you know, in, a, in a position to where most guys, you know, what I got out of him, I probably couldn't have got out of most, you know what I mean? So me and Dallas, we went out there and we beat each other up just to say, hey, man, uh, we can do this. WCW, uh, it, there is talent, you know, that's coming out of out of that, out of the ruins and the ashes of WCW. And, and we're here to not only, um, you know, prove ourselves here, but we're willing to leave all of our accolades behind and show you guys we're willing to, you know, be a part of the team. And I think that's what catapulted myself and guys like Dallas Page to, you know, stick around and be a part of this thing. So in WWE, like like you talked about being a WWE superstar, but that's a specific thing. That means more than just doing well in WWE. That means that, you know, WWE superstars, kind of everything about them symbolizes the company in a way and and it's to me and i've i've watched people have a lot of difficulty becoming wwe superstars like this is a wwe guy when they're famous from somewhere else and that's what and i've, I've told aj styles and i've had him on and i talk about it a lot that that to me is what is mind-blowing about the career of aj styles in wwe is that within 365 days of being in wwe AJ Styles' history was erased, not in a bad way, in a way that when people looked at AJ Styles, they saw, oh, that's AJ Styles from WWE. And I feel like you did a similar thing. I, I feel like as much as much time as you spent in WCW and as decorated as you were in WCW, and you were, you know, there's really, when you take away the NWO, there's maybe three guys, maybe you, Goldberg, and Dallas Page, that are WCW originals, yeah. that, that 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 are really on that level of, of work and, and 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 fame and and notoriety. Why, how I should say, were you able to make the transition into no 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 I'm Booker T WWE superstar, not the guy from WCW. Uh, well, I was willing to, uh, you know, uh, take a back seat. Uh, you got to know how to. You know, I tell my students this all the time. You got to know how to make it in the locker room before you ever have a chance at making it in the ring. Uh, and I and I, I I'm for real when I say that right there. Mm -hmm. um, when I got to WWE, I knew how talented I was. You know, and I and I was willing to go out there and prove myself in the ring by going out there and having five star matches on a on a nightly basis. But I was willing to you know um, go through the character building. Um, as well, I was willing to, you know, go out there and, you know, try to, you know, take my my performance to another level through um, entertainment um, as well. And that, that's why I look at AJ Styles and, and, I, and he's a perfect example of a guy who, you know, left everything behind, but came to WWE and picked it up and, t and now have taken it to a whole nother level. AJ Styles at this point right now in his career He's better than he's ever been. Yeah. You know, um, I, I really understand, you know, all the stuff that we've seen AJ Styles do in the past as far as, you know, his in-ring prowess, you know, he's better now as a performer than he's ever been. And he does, he do a whole lot less, you know what I mean? So that, that's what's my thing. I was willing to uh, fit in. I was willing to come out and, um, you know, take 
my take that script and make it the best I possibly could. But more importantly, you know, when you put me in that position and you give me the ball, um, I'm going to score for you. I'm going to go out there and we're going to win. Um, it, it's going to be one of those things where everyone on the team is going to be happy. It's going to be champagne bottles popping. You know what I mean? So that's what, um, you know, I brought to the table. And and same thing with AJ Styles, man. He goes out there and he he performs. He, he, he score every time they give him the ball. And that's what this business is truly truly about guys that don't don't get hurt guys that go out i look at the miz i give the miz a lot of credit having a 10-year career you know not being on the shelf and going out there you know um keep keeping the the, the dollars flowing you know in, in every aspect um I, I i was one of those guys and that's why i made it in wwe and that's why still now you know 17 years later you know i'm still there and it's a awesome awesome feeling to still be relevant in this business you know that's what's really really cool and i always talk about staying relevant especially in the storm you know of these young guys doing their thing and they're coming up and they're going out there living living that life you know that i once upon a time you know had to go out there and do as well you know i'm coming up um on the first march 1st um i'll be 53 years old and um to still be relevant you know in this business and you know still have my you know, vigor and vibrance, you know, for this business, man, it's awesome. It really, truly is. I mean, and I don't know how you talk about relevance, especially in these Starbucks out here. You are as relevant <laughs> as exactly. it gets. Exactly. My point. Yeah, exactly. Now, and how much of that? Actually, here's the, here's the question, because to me, uh, part of what you're talking about is also the level of commitment that you commit to the things that you're given to make them good. And that means you know, the ridiculous things that you've done, all the stuff that you did with Goldust that, that could have been a complete flop that ends up being this classic stuff that people still talk about. I mean, uh, uh, Vince McMahon dropping an N-bomb on you on TV and you having oh. to, to to have that reaction. Yeah. Uh, you you getting beat up in a supermarket. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. selling and selling and just selling like no one's ever sold. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> like, like, I was actually crying on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, is there anything that you've been presented with that you're like, no, I'm, I, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah, there have been things that um, you know, um, I, I've said no to, um, but but it's always been I've had my reasons why I would say no. I wouldn't say no because of an entertainment reason or anything like that, you know. Mm -hmm. But certain things like. For instance, you know, having my wife climb the cage, you know, with, you know, sure. in, in, in a certain way. And I'm like, well, that's my wife. She ain't climbing no cage. <laughs> you, know, right. like, you know, stuff like that. Right. You know, uh, but there again, you know, my wife, you know, in the ring with the boogeyman taking the worms, you know, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, uh, my thing is, um, I've always been about the entertainment. Yeah. I've always been about the show. Um, I've, I've heard a lot of, you know, words about Booker T, you know. You know, through you know, on social media before about you know Booker T. Um, only reason he's still in WWE is because he's a sellout. You know, only reason he's in WWE is because you know he's one of Vince McMahon's boys. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Booker T. You know he's gonna keep quiet. He's not gonna say anything. You know, I know the reason why I'm still here. You know, I I, I know uh, my worth in the business and it's been all because of the man that I am, the man that I, I always want to be, you know, and, and more importantly, Sam, you know, it's, it's not about me. 
it's definitely not about me. It's truly about these young guys on the show that's doing their thing. I I I, I praise you know the guys like Elias, you yeah. know that's going out there you know um, doing their thing. You know Jason Jordan on the shelf right now, man. I, I, I'm sick about Jason Jordan being on the shelf. I I I I was wanting to see that kid have his WrestleMania moment and go out there and do his thing. You know Seth Rollins and all these guys. You know um, Kevin Owens, you know rising up out of the ashes of you know the independent scene for 15 years you know the Finn Balors of the world that I've seen do you know spectacular and remarkable things you know with Neville many many years ago before making it to the big stage you know that's why I'm still why I'm at, why I'm at today as well as all of those great performances I gave in the rings from with the Benoit's of the world um, uh, to the Stone Cold Steve Austin then the grocery stores you know of the world you know <laughs> that's what um uh, you know, my, my career has truly been about, you know, it's been about the memory for the fan to have. I tell you, I, I, I was, uh, I was in Detroit, Michigan, um, um, on Saturday and Sunday for Comic Con and, uh, Astronomicon. That's what it was. Okay. And, uh, and, um, I was doing a panel and, uh, it was, uh, a, I don't know, maybe 50, 75 people, you know, sitting in a, in a room there with me and, um, uh, I had answered all the questions, Sam, and I got to the last guy before I was getting ready to, you know, crash up out of there and um, get ready to go and catch my flight. And um, it was a black man. He, he got the microphone and he goes, Booker, I just want to thank you for everything that you've given me and my family, you know, for all of these years. You know, we've watched you and we love you. He said, that's my son over over there, which was sitting, you know, a couple, couple of feet from him. He said, that's my son right there. And he was, he, he said, he's 13 years old. And he said, he's had four heart surgeries since he was a baby. And he said, he had, he haven't been able to play sports or anything like that his whole life. He said, but my son, he played sports through you on a video game and nobody could beat him. And he <laughs> said that I start crying. I broke down. Yeah. You know, and that right there sums it up as far as what I've done you know, uh, throughout my career and hopefully, you know, I've changed, you know, um, a few people's lives and I, hopefully I've given them that joy. Hopefully I've, you know, been that, that, uh, beacon that they can live that beacon of light that they can live through, you know, if they had situations like that, you know, they find themselves in a dark place, you know, they can refer back to Booker T's story and say, man, let me get up off my ass and, and move and move forward. You know, it, you know, that's what my career uh, is summed up uh, around more than anything. And, um, and I think, um, you know, me being the person that I am, you know, I think that right there is, um, that, that, that's what I live for as far as wrestling business coach. It sounds like you're very optimistic too, about the talent that's there now. Hmm. Very optimistic, man. These guys are, they're talent. They yeah. really are. They're truly, they're, they're talent. And, um, I, I see the independent world moving. I was at a show, uh, maybe, um, you know, Five six months ago, and uh, I was I was doing an autograph signing, and Adam Cole he was there, and he come rolling in, he had his bag, you know, and I was I was looking there, I said, man, when are they gonna sign you, man? He goes, man. I'm just waiting, man. I'm just waiting on the phone call, man. I just can't wait till they call, man. I say, look, bro. I said, they're going to call you, man. I said, you talent. I said, they're going to give you a call. And then um, at the Rumble there, I, I saw Adam Cole in the back, and he go, he came up to me, and he goes, Booker! You know, and I go, I looked at him, I go, what's going on, man? I go, you made it. He goes, yeah, man, I made it. I was so happy to yeah. see that kid make it 
and, and live his dream out. I got a kid right now. His name's Rex Andrews. You know, he, he came to me when he's 18 years old. He's a grown man now. He's in Japan, you know, working uh, with a company, uh, Russell One. And mm-hmm. um, he's, you know, doing his thing, man. He's living it. He's in Rapungi, you know, having <laughs> fun, man. You know, hard rock, you know what I mean, <laughs> hanging out. You know what I mean? Uh, that's what I, I, I love. And I think that's what keeps me on young. That's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me, you know, happy more than anything. I see so many guys that have gone through this business, man, and they are miserable. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when you, Sam, when you see me every day, I'm smiling, man. I'm always on top of the world. Every day is paradise. You know what I mean? No matter where I'm at. You know, like I said, I was in Detroit. It was 12 degrees. It was snowing. It was a blizzard. You know, and everybody say, man, how you doing, man? Another day in paradise, man. Another day. <laughs> Another day. You know what I mean? So every day, man, for me, man, um, I'm living a dream, a dream that I never had coming up as a kid. Um, being in this business has been a, a blessing, you know, and, um, you know, a, a life that I would not change for the world, honestly. And I would love to call you out, but I've I've been there once every, I don't know, five weeks on average for the last 13 months or so. And I've, every time you've been there, I've never seen you have a bad day. Hey man. That's I've never, what it, and the thing is, it's like that, been through like that throughout my whole career. Everybody know when Booker T is upset. Right. Everybody, everybody know, because I'm going to let everybody know that I'm upset. <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to, and I got a lot of respect for that. Also, you know, guys know exactly what Booker T is all about. I'm an open book. But most of the times, 98% of the time you see me, man, I'm going to be having fun. I'm going to be laughing. I'm going to and I'm going to be that way to the day that I die, man, till they put me in the ground. You know, I know I got an expiration date, you know, but I'm telling you right now, man, I'm 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 going to embrace it. and I'm walking straight towards it, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm going to be smiling the whole way. And hopefully, you know, the party at the after party, you know, it'll be just as good. You know, yeah, I'm well, serious. That's good to hear because I kind of I had assumed you were just saving up your bad days for the shows that Rosenberg was on, but I guess <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're just always you're always good. You're always good. Um, <laughs> we know, Sam. You, you when we uh, ran into each other at Survivor Series, yeah. you know, you, I told you, yeah, yeah, I do the radio show with Booker and I work with him at Reality Wrestling, and you're like. God, you must have fun all the time. And I'm like, absolutely. Because he yeah, is. That's, He's yeah, always I mean, smiling. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I've had to, I mean, that's the one thing I've been told in my headset. Stop messing around with books so much because I'm having, <laughs> <laughs> I'm having too much fun. Um, I, real quick, book. Triple H said in an interview, he said, uh, Ronda Rousey, you know, is coming on in. She's uh, signing the contract. Uh Triple H is describing Ronda Rousey as being somebody who is going to change the landscape, meaning like this is not a, hey, we're going to have a big match at WrestleMania. Triple H believes that, or is saying Ronda Rousey is going to change the landscape uh, in the WWE. Do you see Ronda Rousey as having that, as being that person? You know, right now, uh, as we speak, I honestly can say I don't know. Yeah. Um, but But what I can say is, you know, um, I got a kid down in um, NXT right now. His name is Brendan Williams, um, the great um, black otaku shogun of the row. Um, he's down in uh, 
uh, NXT right now. He's a uh, former uh, ex-football player. He played for the Texans, played for the uh, the Patriots, and then he came to my wrestling school. But he was a guy that was um, sitting in the audience. You know, when he was playing for the Texans, he would be here on Saturday night watching the shows. You know, going crazy. You know, he was just like a big kid. He loved it. You know, and um, and and that was his huge advantage that I thought he had. I say, man, you know, you're gonna make it. I say because you love the business and, and people like you. You know, more than anything. That 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 second part was um, very very um, very pivotal. Very pivotal. That second part, as far as people like you, right. um, Ronda Rousey um, has always had a, an attitude to where a lot of people, you know, she rubbed the wrong way. Um, coming into the business, you're gonna have to change a whole lot of things. Of course, um, kids, she changed the landscape of the of of the business. Um, you know, that's a tall tall order because we have some awesome, awesome women women in, in the WWE um, as far as performers go. And I don't think there are any as uh, any in the world, around the world, um, as good as Charlotte. So I'm going to tell you right now, she better bring her game. She better study her game um, and then be well prepared because that's the only luck she's going to have in this business as far as surviving, as far as having staying power. Can she do it? Of course she can. I think she can. I'm, I'm, I'm banking on her, and I'm, I'm pulling for her. So um, in the end, um, we'll see. On the way out, I guess this is the last question. I need to know. We talk. We can talk all the Corey Graves we want, but please, <laughs> please, please tell me that the beef with Scott Stanford was real. Please tell me that was not a work. <laughs> that couldn't have been a work, Booker. Please don't tell me that was a work. <laughs> it was a work. No, 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 no. It was a work. Too. No. It was crazy with Scott was. He wanted to keep it going. He really wanted to. He asked me to. I'm like, bro, I'm a grown man. I'm not tweeting that. He, you know, he wanted to keep. He really wanted to keep it going. No, but it was. It was a work. Yeah, you're like Scott. If we keep, we're in the same room every week. If we keep this going any further, I'm gonna have to work myself into beating your ass on TV. Exactly. It's the only thing I can do. <laughs> That's the last out. <laughs> well, uh, everybody, if you're not already listening to Booker T's radio show and podcast, Heated Conversations uh, with Brad Gilmore, it's a, it's a great listen, and you should absolutely be doing that. You should also be catching up on everything that happens in Reality of Wrestling, which is Booker's home promotion there in Houston. Uh, where can they find all this stuff? Uh, catch uh, Reality Wrestling on Fight TV. That's F-I-T-E, Fight TV, streaming live, um, 2 p.m. Central. Check your local listings every Sunday. Um, so check it out. Um, it's, it's an awesome, awesome show. Uh, I think it's the, the best thing going out there as far as local talent coming up, getting a chance to shine, young guys going out there, getting a chance to, you know, prove their worth as far as moving up in, in the world of professional wrestling as well as um, – you know, I got some um, some awesome, awesome, some awesome, awesome young people doing great things here, man. I appreciate you for giving me the time, Sam. Yeah, man, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, I look forward to seeing you again in the future on one of these kickoff shows. Hey, bro, we got Vegas, bro. We got Vegas coming up, right? You there? You you there? You in Vegas? I'm not in Vegas. You in Vegas? When you when when the next one? When when, when our next show? Uh, uh, whatever after Vegas, uh, backlash. I, I, I'll be there, baby. We go, we go, we go hook up. We, you know what? And what's crazy is, uh, Mansuri. I already gave Mike, Mike Mansuri the call, and uh, he said, "Man, I'm glad you're back, man. <laughs> trouble, trouble is it's back. Yeah, shucky uh, ducky, quack quack moments for everybody, man. I appreciate it, dog. And my prediction is that it will be G O O D T. 
<laughs> good. Good. Real good. <laughs> Thanks, Book. How great is Booker T? I do want to tell you, if you missed the open of the show, I talked about Stitcher Premium and how you can now get Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast as part of Stitcher Premium. Here's how it works. If you go to Stitcher.com slash NotSam, you sign up for Stitcher Premium, and here's what you get. You get uh, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast each and every week. First thing, add free no more ads on sam roberts wrestling podcast you'll be able to sit back enjoy the whole show no ads whatsoever second thing you're going to get a bonus show in fact two bonus shows every single month more or less every other monday really so you could end up with three bonus shows a month every other monday i'm going to sit down with a friend uh, a family member my wife somebody who doesn't necessarily watch wrestling all the time and uh, i'm going to convince them of how cool wrestling is by doing a watch along with one of the worst shows on the WWE Network. You're going to be able to get to help me pick which show uh, I, I, I put on display for this person. Right now, I'm thinking about the Triple Cage episode of WCW Monday Nitro, but there's a lot to go into, a lot to go into, and I'm really, really excited about doing this show for you guys, but the only way you're going to see it or hear it is if you sign up to Stitcher Premium at stitcher.com slash notsam. It's five bucks a month. It's 35 bucks a year. You can try it for free. But 35 bucks a year, it's nothing, it's the best way to support this podcast, and if you sign up for Stitcher Premium, not only do you get everything that Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast has to offer, but you'll also get everything that Stitcher Premium has to offer in general. All the shows that do premium content, you'll be able to have access to if you sign up to to Stitcher Premium through Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. So go to stitcher.com slash notsam. Help me support the show uh, and enjoy a bonus watch-along show that you'll be able to turn on the WWE Network. You'll be able to watch the show as we're commenting on it. You'll be It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's continue on with this podcast. Here is Sam Roberts. Booker, all hail. King Booker, I just, I, I think the world of Booker. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because we touched on it, but I think us as, we as wrestling fans need to get out of this uh, mind space of, well, is it a work or is it a shoot? And is it somebody getting buried or is somebody going over? Is somebody, it's very like, uh, I, I think we forget sometimes that these are human beings. That might just be goofing around, you know, because you go, well, if it's a work, because there are some people who still theorize. There are some conspiracy theorists who still think that the Corey Graves Booker T thing is a shoot, not a work. I mean, I will tell you, as I talked about in the interview, I've never seen an ounce of tension between Booker and Corey Graves. And I know for a fact that Booker was ready to be off commentary months ago. He wants to be at home with his family. He wants to be a part of WWE. He likes doing the kickoff shows. He doesn't want to be doing three hours of commentary every Monday and then coming in for the pay-per-views. I just don't think at this point in his life it's something that he has a, a passion to do. He will do it, and he'll do as a, a great job at it, but it's not something that he, he has a, a desire for, you know what I mean? So, uh, but there's a different, and you go, well, if it's a work, who benefits from this? Corey Graves doesn't look better for it, and it's not like Booker T is coming back to address it, and it's not, because there's a difference between a work where it's writers in a room with Vince McMahon coming up with storylines that they're going to play out on television, and a guy who's doing a radio show who's just kind of busting his friend's balls by starting a bunch of trouble. This is just like you busting balls with anybody that you're at work with. That's all this is. We're really overthinking it. 
And I talked about it last week on State of Wrestling that that's what I thought it was. It's just two buddies goofing with each other. And they happen to be two buddies that we care about because we're wrestling fans. So I think it was interesting. I think it was a great social experiment. And uh, I'm glad it happened. And I'm glad that Booker T was a part of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast this week. Make sure you check out Reality of Wrestling and uh, Heated Conversations, the show that Booker does out there in Houston. Now, speaking of shows... I got uh, access to an exclusive advanced screening of Andre the Giant, the HBO documentary that's coming out in April. Bill Simmons produced it. Uh, Only a few of us. There was only a handful of us there. It was uh, uh, Peter Rosenberg and I went, and uh, Laura Stiles from Hot 97 was with him. Um, Brian Koppelman, the creator of Billions, was there. We spoke a, a, a little bit. Brian Koppelman is a giant wrestling fan from like the 60s and 70s like he's just an old school wrestling guy so uh, I had a lot of fun talking to him about old school wrestling Mark Henry was there because he works with Dave LaGreca on the Busted Open show on Sirius and LaGreca was there as well so there were only uh, there were a handful of of, of of media types there and a lot of empty seats in the in the theater room that we were in because you know this is uh it's not for the public just yet but I was I was a little skeptical to tell you the truth of this Andre documentary because to me I felt like it's not going to live up to the hype that is being created around it and I've heard all the stories I've heard all the Andre drank a lot of booze stories I've heard oh he was a good guy but if he didn't like you like I've heard all the Andre stories right totally wrong and from the moment you sit down and you start looking at the footage that was acquired to make this documentary when you start hearing from the people who were interviewed for it. I mean the entire cast of The Princess Bride. I mean Hogan. I mean Vince. I mean Shane. I mean Andre's siblings. Andre's family. You know, Mean Gene. Like, it was everybody that you didn't know you would want. Timmy White. Tim White. You remember Tim White, the referee? He traveled everywhere with Andre the Giant. He has a big part in this. David Shoemaker who does a great wrestling podcast. He is like this wrestling historian who used to uh, be over at the ringer with Bill. No, what was it called? Grantland with Bill Simmons. And now he's at the ringer with Bill. But uh, yeah, David Shoemaker is a big part of this thing uh, uh, going down the life and times of Andre the Giant. But it really was a remarkable, remarkable documentary. One of the best, if not the best wrestling docs that I've ever seen. And I've seen them all. If you liked the Ric Flair 30 for 30 documentary, you're going to love this Andre documentary because it it goes past where the Ric Flair documentary went. I thought the 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 Ric Flair 30 for 30 was more of a celebration of the character of Ric Flair, which I don't have a problem with at all. The Andre movie, it's this amazing thing because when you get to the, for me anyway, when you get to the place in the movie where they talk about his death, it's you start looking at photos and 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 footage of him as you're watching the movie in an entirely different way. Like you start to see a life in this man that is quite remarkable because he's been dead since 1993. None of us ever got the chance to meet Andre. None of us listening to this got the chance to meet Andre. But the way this story is told and and the the uh, imagery that's in this movie really leaves you feeling like you're cheering for this guy, you're in love with this guy, you're rooting for him, you know him, and 
you get to this place where you know it's coming, but when they say January 1993 passed away, you're going, no, he can't have. Like, you start to buy in, even though so much of this documentary is the story behind the myth, behind the mythos of what Andre was, you start to buy into the mythos. And you start going, no, he can't be, he can't be gone. He's Andre. Like, there's no way. And I guess through the footage of Andre, the stories that are being told by people who knew him, um, you know, it's just, it, and again, of course, it's very flattering towards Andre. Uh, they do get into things he did that were not nice. Uh, they do get in, it's not like the whole time they're just describing him as, oh, he's a gentle giant who just loved everybody and everybody loved him. They do talk about people who he didn't like, who didn't like him, but never really in a truly negative way. Um, I'll tell you, you know, I've interviewed Hulk Hogan about WrestleMania three and, and I'm not the only one. Hulk Hogan has talked about WrestleMania three a lot. And when he tells the stories about, not knowing if Andre was going to put him over or not, you kind of feel like he might be working a little bit, you know, like you kind of feel like, okay, he's just trying to still play up what a big deal this was and, and, and how Andre was this mythical creature. But when you watch the movie and that story gets told, far more detail is put into it than has been in the past. And, uh, and it, re it really starts to make sense as to what the picture looked like around that time. So a lot of time is spent, uh, on Andre as a person, um, a lot of time is spent on how he, he gets started in wrestling and then moving uh, through the territories and what that really meant in that time. And then there's a good chunk spent on that Hogan-Andre match and how it became such a, a culturally significant moment. Um, you know, it shows the guy with just a tremendous amount of vulnerability that you have never seen in Andre. Far more vulnerability than than anything else has ever shown Andre to have. And there was this great balance of a co an obvious cooperation from the WWE in the sense that uh, the talent that was interviewed and the footage that was used and the story that was told, but it was clearly done by an independent filmmaker outside of WWE in the sense that Hogan is such a big part of it, in the sense that it's not the WWE narrative that's necessarily being told. The WWE narrative is heard, but it's not the sole voice of the film, which is one of the things that makes it so special. But I think once this thing airs on HBO, it's going to do even more for Andre than the 30 for 30 did for Flair. It's going to it's gonna really create a new rejuvenated love affair for this character, Andre the Giant, who is truly immortal. And maybe we'll have a conversation in April when the movie comes out on HBO about who in wrestling possibly fits that mold. You know, it's interesting because I think that Andre's personal life was so private that his character was never damaged. I think as much as Hulk Hogan will live forever in the character, his private life, especially in the last five years, but in the last, you know, 10, 12 years with the reality show and everything, everything in his personal life uh, became so public that I think it does damage it. I don't think he'll ever be looked at as this immortal Hulk Hogan because we all know too much, but you know, he's still an icon. It's just not the same deal as, as Andre the Giant. The only person that I can think of, same thing with the Ultimate Warrior, 
Same thing with Randy Savage. You know, I think the Ultimate Warrior and Randy Savage could have been these guys that are kind of like mysterious and we only know them as the character and they were so intense and out of this world. But, you know, Randy Savage doing all the rap and the Hogan stuff at the end, not at the end of his life, but at the end of his public life, really. And the Ultimate Warrior, you know, getting political and homophobic and stuff like that uh, before he came back to WWE, that it, it does affect how us fans will look at that legacy. I think right now The Undertaker is probably the only, the only person, the only wrestler who might be in a conversation with that type of legacy. But I, it's, it's tough to have that conversation. If you guys have con- opinions on it, you can always tweet. Um, but it's tough to have that conversation before you guys see the movie. But uh, make sure you got HBO or HBO Go or HBO Now or whatever you need to do because April is when that movie comes out. And you shan't be disappointed, just like I hope you won't be disappointed in the top five stories I've picked out for this week's State of Wrestling, uh, which goes down right now. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. All right, state of wrestling time. And, of course, I got my uh, people from the Facebook page, facebook.com slash NotSam, watching this live. So maybe I'll be reading some of their comments as we go, reading the top five stories that happened this week in the world of pro wrestling. And this week it's in no particular order, but it's really more five. It's a couple of stories and then a couple of things that really just struck me into what is my top five stories this week on the state of wrestling. This is story number five, and it's only story number five because I've been so anxious to talk about it. But it's something that really hit me as I was watching Raw on Monday. Um, And, you know, I'll watch Raw, and sometimes, you know, I always enjoy it to some level. Sometimes it's like, okay, you can kind of do other things while it's on. It's like, okay, this is now comfort food. This is McDonald's. Like, I just, this is, I watch Raw because it's what I enjoy, but this is just an episode of Raw. You know, that happens a lot. And then sometimes there's segments where you go, whoa, and you have to stop what you're doing. If I am running WWE, if there's anybody out there who has the ear of Vince McMahon and the people running WWE, then please, please listen to me when I tell you. You don't have to do anything abrupt. You don't have to do anything immediate. You know, you can still, if you want to go to WrestleMania, you want to put the world title on Roman Reigns, you want to do Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, you want to do John Cena versus whoever, do whatever you want to do. I don't care. I will give you, from now until WrestleMania, to just have fun, do whatever you want, I don't care. Whatever guys you think should be the guy, put that person in charge and let WrestleMania come and go. I'll give you the rest of the year. But the day after WrestleMania is when the next year of WWE uh, symbolically begins. And if I could have any influence on the WWE right now, it would be to put all of your money, if I were a betting man, if I were starting my own promotion, if I were put in charge of the WWE, I would put every company dollar I could behind The Miz, Braun Strowman, and Elias. That right there, those three men are the future of your company. That segment, first of all, every Miz segment that he's in works, and most of them shouldn't. 
But because it's The Miz and because The Miz is the person that he is now, he can pull off absolutely anything. He was the best part of Raw 25, and consistently, he is, you. as somebody who watches, you know, The Miz is the one person who consistently is doing segments where you look up. If you're on your computer and you're, like for me, you know, I'll watch Raw while I'm looking up news stories for the radio show the next morning. But when The Miz is on, I look up from my computer and I watch what The Miz is doing. When Braun Strowman is on, I look up and I see what's Braun Strowman going to smash tonight. When Elias is on, I look up and I watch Elias. Because those three guys are the end-all, be-all, and get this, they are homegrown talents. Can you believe this? Those three guys, if there is any influence I could have on the WWE, it's to bet the farm on those three guys. They're your present and your future. And there could be, you know, Elias has a weird gimmick. Braun Strowman is, just, is, is a big guy. And The Miz has a history of not being taken seriously. But we need to put all of that aside and just watch the performances that all three of those guys are giving on a regular basis. I mean, the segment on Raw this week with Elias and Braun Strowman was the best segment on the show. The best segment on the show. I'm talking promos, I'm talking matches, I'm talking whatever you want. The best segment on Raw this week was the Braun Strowman and Elias thing. And I was thinking the same thing as you. You know, some people said that they did not like what Braun Strowman did because it turned him into a cartoon character. They did not like that Braun Strowman took out that standing base or the upright base. I called it a standing base on Twitter. And there were honestly people that were like, Don't you mean upright base, you freaking idiot? Yeah, fine, you band geek. That's what I meant. Um, but when he takes out that bass and he starts playing it and he actually starts singing. And I for, I was thinking the same thing as you. I, I don't want Braun to be singing. I want him to be a monster. But guess what? He pulled off the singing thing. If you're being honest, like that thought creeps into our minds. And sometimes we go, oh, I don't like this. He shouldn't be singing. He's a monster. But what we have to do is acknowledge that thought and then allow what's going to happen to happen, then make the judgment of whether or not it works. A lot of times, stuff like that will happen and people will make the judgment on this isn't going to work, so it didn't work. Do you know what I mean? Whereas in reality, it shouldn't have worked. And it did. And I'll tell you why. Because Braun Strowman convinces us. And the more he talks, the more it feels like his character is expanding. It doesn't feel like it's being pigeonholed. It doesn't feel like it's it's turning into something it's not. It just feels like this monster. We all know he's a person. We've been watching long... We, we know monster... He's not actually a monster. He's, we know Braun Strowman in real life is a person. And the more he talks and the more he does entertaining stuff... The more it expands his character. What saved Braun Strowman is the fact that in that segment, he's carrying the upright bass on his back like a guitar, which is hilarious. He's a big giant man, and he has to, instead of using a guitar like mere mortals, he uses this big instrument as a guitar because he's so big. It's great. It's hilarious, right? What saved him was that he teased like he was going to hit Elias with the upright bass. 
Then Elias puts his guitar down, so he puts the bass down, and they, you know, engage in fisticuffs. And you think, okay, well, obviously. Then Elias leaves the ring, and he chases him down, and he actually hits him. with. He picks up the upright bass over his head and slams it down, and I cringed as that giant wood instrument came down across the back of Elias because it's so big. We've all seen those things before in high school class or whatever, high school music class or whatever. They're so big. And the idea that it got smashed over Elias's back, it's like it took this spot, which is hitting your opponent over the head with a guitar. And that spot has been done so many times that we don't necessarily take it seriously. But that one we do because that's like a guitar, only 25 times the size. So I thought when Braun Strowman did actually break the upright bass across the back of Elias, um, it made it made the segment, it, it, it maintained Braun Strowman as a monster to be taken seriously. And I, I just thought it was such a positive thing. And I really firmly and truly believe that, like, it, it's not like when I look at Braun Strowman, Elias, and The Miz... I go, okay, well, if I had to do something with somebody on this roster, what would I do? I guess those are my guys. No, it's like I watch that. And as a creative person, I go, oh, my God, I wish I had those players on my team. Like if I'm running, if it's if it's 99 again and I'm Eric Bischoff, you know, I'm, I'm looking past the main event. I'm looking to who's going to give me years of amazing service. Who's the future of this industry? And I've got my I'm I've got my targets locked on to those three guys. And the fact that they're homegrown talent makes them exactly what the WWE wants. And they're varied. They're different. All three of them represent a different thing. You out, out of everybody you talk to depending on where they're from, depending on what they do, depending on what they like, will have a different favorite out of the three. And it's a conversation you can have. But I just, I can't, for the life of me, believe that there is anybody, anybody, in that company right now that is more long-term valuable than those three guys. And I think if you want Roman Reigns to leave WrestleMania with the championship, that's fine. I don't think there's any reason to rush those three guys. But to me, that's where you've got to look going forward. You know, there have been rumors about a match at WrestleMania for the Intercontinental title between Braun Strowman and The Miz. If it's me and I'm running things, I'm watching what's going on right now. And I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. I know that that was the plan in my head. But let's change where we're going because I think that there is a bigger potential here. Let's have, okay, Roman's leaving WrestleMania as the champion. That's fine. But Braun and The Miz are not wrestling at WrestleMania because after WrestleMania, The Miz is going to start going after Roman Reigns. And The Miz is going to be the one that dethrones Roman Reigns. If it's me... Roman Reigns, fine, we can accept. He leaves WrestleMania's Universal Champion. I mean, he might not, who knows, but that's, you know, it's almost, it's it's been a given since last year. People have been talking about that thing since last year, and storyline-wise, it still makes sense that that's where they're going. So, that's that that's what I think is going to happen there, but if it's me, 
The Miz is the guy that dethrones Roman Reigns for that Universal Championship. Whether it's at Money in the Bank, whether it's at SummerSlam, whether it's at one of the pay-per-views in the meantime, in between time. That's Miz's spot. And we don't get the Braun Strowman-Miz match until Braun Strowman is challenging for the Universal Championship. And when the Miz wins the Universal Championship, this isn't going to be treated like his WWE Championship reign was. Where, you know, it was kind of like Jinder Mahal, which I feel like was unfair to Jinder Mahal. Every single match was cheating. He couldn't conceivably win anything by himself. He didn't have any real challengers. You know, that wasn't Jinder so much as it was Miz. Um, but I think now is when you take it more seriously, right? Now, now is when you let Miz beat Roman for that Universal Championship. Because let's be honest, the Miz would have a reason to demand a title shot. He beat Roman for the Intercontinental title. So who's to say he couldn't beat him for the Universal title? Have the Miz win it. Have him beat a couple people. You know, have him have him go forward and and win these things. Then then you can come out of it and uh and have Braun challenge him. Braun's not going to be the first guy to challenge the Miz. Let the Miz go for maybe I would probably do something with the Miz and Finn Balor. You know, I you could do something with the Miz. There's a ton of people. Miz could work with with anybody. But you have Braun Strowman beat the Miz for the Universal title. And then next year at WrestleMania, who's knocking on Braun Strowman's door wanting that title back? But Brock Lesnar. Then you've got a Brock Lesnar-Braun Strowman match where Braun Strowman is defending the Universal Championship. I'd say give Brock Lesnar the Royal Rumble win next year. Have by then Braun Strowman has beaten The Miz. This year, over the next 365 days, I would go Roman Reigns, Loses to The Miz, loses to Braun Strowman. Brock Lesnar wins the Royal Rumble 2019. Brock Lesnar goes to WrestleMania 35 to try to avenge losing the title at WrestleMania 34 and faces Braun Strowman for that championship. To me, that's money. And honestly, I might I might have Braun Strowman win the thing because who knows how much longer Brock's going to be there. It might be time for for Brock to just you know start doing the favors. You know, it might be time for Brock to to start to to cash in on the Brock Lesnar investment because really the only reason you've been building and building and building and building Brock Lesnar is because it's good for money. People will pay to see him as long as he keeps winning, but also because it's going to mean that much more when he finally loses. When Brock finally loses, it's going to mean. Even more, so I, I think that uh, that 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 that's all part of it. But yeah, for me, that's where you go. And and while all that's going on, you still have Elias right there, just waiting, just waiting. Scott says, "I want everything Cena." Okay, uh, John Sosis, can we talk about Braun in the mixed match challenge? He is so fucking fun. There's a line between Monster and Big Show cartoon that Braun can play. Scott. Uh, uh, John, I 100% agree with you. That's something to keep in mind with Braun is that we can't get mad that Braun actually starts showing personality because he has the ability to show personality, right? He's not this cartoon. And I'm not worried about Braun Strowman becoming a cartoon because he's been built so well. 
over the last year or two. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's all, uh, all upside, 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 upside with that. And that's, that's what I would do. And, and I would, I would just have Elias waiting in the cut the whole time. Maybe, maybe do something with Elias and AJ. Maybe, I don't know. Cause I just think that Elias is, he just, on first notice, I don't think people realized how good he was, but he is as good as it gets, this Elias character. Uh, let's move on to story number four, and that's uh, I'm, I'm watching Raw, and I don't think it's been officially announced, but I'm watching Raw, and you know they run local commercials for whatever show WWE is running. And they're running this commercial for Madison Square Garden in March. WWE's running Madison Square Garden in March, and it's a house show. But one of the advertised matches on the house show is a mixed tag team match between Nikki Bella and John Cena as a team. So I, I guess Nikki's coming back. You know, I don't I don't think that that was ever confirmed. You know, I don't I don't I don't think that. It was ever officially announced, like, okay, Nikki's back, and she's after the Royal Rumble, she's coming back to wrestle. But I would have to believe, based on, on this commercial, that Nikki Bella is indeed coming back. So, and by the way, uh, uh, Asa in the, in the Facebook is exactly right. He says, while all this is going on, while you're going from uh, Roman to Miz to Braun, have Elias holding the money in the bank briefcase. 100%. 100%. Because then after next year's WrestleMania, when Braun Strowman beats Brock Lesnar, that's when Elias starts hinting. Or who knows? Who knows where we'll be? We can reassess, and maybe Elias does a Seth Rollins-style cash-in at WrestleMania 35. As crazy as it sounds, we could be there. We could be there by the time we get to WrestleMania. It's very, very possible. But yeah, so uh, story no, uh, WrestleMania 35, that is. Story number four was just the idea that Nikki, I guess Nikki Bell is coming back uh, because she's going to be wrestling a house show in March, and I saw a commercial for it. So that's very, very interesting. Speaking of the women, that brings me to story number three. Sasha Banks and Bailey. Again, another story from Raw this week. Um, it's been interesting as I've been watching. I am so hungry. I am fiending for a Sasha Banks heel turn. I just think that Sasha is is she's perfect as a heel. If anybody's if you guys are familiar with her NXT stuff, and we used to talk about her NXT stuff all the time on the podcast years ago. But if you guys are familiar with the NXT stuff, uh, you know she was great as a heel. Sasha's ratchet. No, she's not. It was awesome. It was a great time in the career of Sasha Banks, and that's to me where that character should be. Um I do See, like, especially this week, I was just kind of paying attention to the dynamic between Bailey and Sasha, and I kind of feel like the Sasha heel turn is a bit of a fake out, and that we are going to see a Bailey heel turn. That's what it feels like to me. It feels like we're going to see a Bailey heel turn. Now, I personally would rather see a Sasha Banks heel turn, and even though it's a little bit more predictable, it's a, I just think that Sasha Banks would do a better job. I think if Sasha Banks were a bad guy, it would give fans an opportunity to appreciate her as a bad guy. And when she eventually turned back to a good guy after this run, she would be a much, much, much bigger star. Whereas if Bailey's a bad guy and Sasha Banks is a uh, babyface, I don't, 
know that that will long-term benefit anybody because I think Bailey is a natural good guy, you know? And maybe that's just because I'm going back to where they were most successful in NXT. But I think that Sasha is working in the last several weeks on a whole nother level. But I think she's got to, I, I, I just think she'd, she'd benefit greatly from being a bad guy. And I'm worried that it's going to be Bailey who ends up in that spot. Now, the benefit to all this is that I absolutely see an implosion coming with those two. And I do think, and, and, and call me crazy, I know there's a limited amount of room on that WrestleMania card. And every year, you know, like last year, the Intercontinental Championship was on the pre-show. Like, there, it's, it's a very limited amount of space, especially with the amount of, like, specialty matches you're bound to have every year at WrestleMania. But based on the fact that where we are with the women's revolution, you know, how, how much farther we are than we were two years ago, meaning, like, now we're seeing a women's elimination chamber match. We saw the women's Royal Rumble close the Royal Rumble show. You've got uh, genuine superstars. Like, let's be honest for a second. When I'm going over that list of Elias and Braun and Miz, I feel the exact same way about Asuka. You know, you've you've got a women's division like you've never had before. I don't think it's that far-fetched to believe that this year at WrestleMania we will get three women's matches. We've had two before. I don't think it's so far-fetched to believe we'll get three and the Ronda Rousey match. I, I think if the WWE wants to be progressive, if the WWE wants to talk about the women's revolution— I think what would be amazing for WrestleMania, and again, it's controversial because it would end up with somebody missing a spot. You know, there'd be male competitors that wouldn't get a spot because of this, but so be it. I think there'd be an interest, and I think, I just think that the story has to be told right. You got two weeks till Elimination Chamber, but then after Elimination Chamber, I think you got like six weeks until WrestleMania, and six weeks is plenty of time in 2018 to tell a story. In my mind... You go forward to WrestleMania. You've got Charlotte defending the SmackDown women's title, maybe against Asuka, maybe against Becky, you know, who knows. You've got Alexa Bliss defending the Raw women's title, maybe against Asuka, maybe against Nia Jax. You know, I I hope that they don't do that triple threat thing with Nia, but, you know, I would like to see something where maybe Alexa gets involved in the Nia Jax-Asuka match at the pay-per-view and... Asuka wins because she's got to win. And then she picks Charlotte because she never picked an opponent. So maybe you have Asuka versus Charlotte, Alexa Bliss versus uh, Nia. You've got Ronda Rousey and some kind of mixed tag team thing with Stephanie McMahon that people have been talking about. And then on top of all that, on top of the Ronda Rousey match, on top of the two women's title matches, I think it would be super cool and and progressive and forward-thinking and and exactly what the women's evolution needs. No titles, no nothing, a grudge match. Sasha Banks versus Bailey. Cuz imagine what a big deal that would be for WrestleMania. Sasha Banks versus Bailey, no title, no triple threat, no battle royal, you know what I mean? It's just these two women putting on an amazing match. And those two women have the ability to put on an unbelievable match. Go over to the first NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 1. That was a show that featured Tyler Breeze versus Jushin Thunder Liger. That was a show that featured a ladder match between Kevin Owens and Finn Balor. And that was a show where the night got stolen by Sasha Banks versus Bayley.
That's a match I want to see at WrestleMania. That's a match I want to see with no titles on the line. And that's a story. If you tell me the Sasha Banks Bailey story, regardless of who's the good guy and who's the bad guy, because you could go either way and tell an amazing story. If you put as much energy into that story as you did into the video on Monday, uh, uh, showing me Asuka by the numbers and explaining why she's such a major, major superstar, then that's one of my most highly anticipated matches of WrestleMania. And let those two, let those two bring it. I am right now putting it on the table. What I want to see at WrestleMania is no titles on the line. Grudge match. Sasha Banks versus Bailey. And and I, I highly anticipated matches oh, at WrestleMania. And that's what and let uh, those two let those two bring. That's what would take us to a different place. That's what would take us to a different place. Uh, Lawrence saying, too easy. Put the U.S. and Raw Tag Team titles on the pre-show where they sadly belong at the moment. Plenty of room for the women matches. But I don't think, uh, I don't think, and Scott says Nia needs to win a belt. Well, Nia can beat Alexa at WrestleMania. You know, that could be a nice crowning thing for, for Nia, maybe. I wouldn't mind Alexa beating Nia either. Like, I think that that match could go either way. But I just think that, and and it has to be, on the main show, Sasha versus Bailey. You know, they give them the opportunity to steal WrestleMania, and uh, I'd be all on board. So while we're talking about women and Ronda Rousey, uh, Triple H said uh, that Ronda Rousey is going to change the landscape. This is what Triple H said. Ronda Rousey is going to change the landscape. Uh, of course, she's signing her contract at Elimination Chamber, which. You know, I mean, Ronda Rousey is a huge star. Just the fact that she's going to be in the building, just the fact that she's there to sign the contract makes it like, I'm not going to be there in Las Vegas, but it makes me wish that I was there just so I could be a part of of everything that is Ronda Rousey right now. Um, I think it's got the potential to be a game changer, but it's an interesting thing because in order for it to be, not a game changer, a landscape changer, in order for it to be a landscape changer, Ronda needs to work at least a somewhat full-time schedule. I don't think she needs to be on every single show, but she needs to work a lot more than Brock Lesnar works. Like, she needs to be a pretty regular part of the show. And, and, in order for it to be something that changes the landscape, she has to be really, really good at professional wrestling. And that remains to be seen. Um, so I think that she's got a, a lot of training to do. I think it's... If you've got her to a long-term contract, I think it's smart to start her slow. You know, I don't think her first... I don't think she should wrestle before WrestleMania. I think her appearances should be very, very limited. You know, I think WrestleMania should feel very, very special. Uh, I like the idea of putting her in some kind of tag match where she can be very, very protected. Um, but, you know, not long after WrestleMania, she's going to be expected to be brought up to speed. Because let's be honest, for Ronda Rousey to uh, attract the amount of attention that she's been attracting, we need to believe that she could be the champion in that women's division. So uh, that complicates things a little bit because if she's not that good, it kind of takes away everything from her. So that part has to be protected, and I think they will protect that. But we've just never had anything like this where, like Mike Tyson, for instance, was a landscape changer, but if Mike Tyson had been around as a regular competitor, I don't think he would have been because eventually we would forget about the celebrity of Mike Tyson and just be like, oh, it's another Mike Tyson match because he wouldn't be that good at pro wrestling. He's a great boxer. So 
if Ronda Rousey doesn't become a great professional wrestler quick, we run the risk of being like, okay, like, I get it. Ronda's famous. Here's another Ronda Rousey match. She's got to be really, really good. She has to, I mean, and it's, it's a tough spot for her to be in because she has to be very, very good at this. And I hope she will be because, you know, I, I, I think it could be a landscape changer. But, you know, when you've got people like Charlotte, when you've got people like Asuka, when you've got people like Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss, like when you got Sasha Banks working at the level that she's been working at, it's a lot to live up to. It's a lot to live up to. And when you haven't wrestled, you haven't done pro wrestling before, because Ronda hasn't. She's done MMA. You know. Now, Shayna Baszler was able to make the transition pretty seamlessly. You know, Shayna, but... Ronda's got to be even better than Shayna Baszler because at least Shayna Baszler has the benefit of starting an NXT and do, working those live events. Like, Ronda can't do anything because of who she is without a giant spotlight being shown on it. So she's going to have to get in a hell of a lot of reps down at the at the Performance Center or, or wherever they do it before she gets in there because uh, she's got to blow people's minds. And I do, I do kind of hope that she does. All right. Top story of the week. Rumor, 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 single-branded pay-per-views. Is WWE switching back to single-branded pay-per-views? Uh, Dave Meltzer reported this. Of course, Dave Meltzer also reported that Corey Graves and Booker T were uh, had a tremendous heat in between them. But rumor, 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 after WrestleMania, starting with Backlash, uh, what the reports are saying is that, uh, that Backlash will be a dual-branded pay-per-view. And people are getting that from, I guess... Uh, Ticketmaster, the people who bought tickets to the show or the people who might be interested in tickets to that show, Ticketmaster reached out to them and said, hey, just so you know, it's going to be a dual-branded show, which led people to believe, whoa, if that's dual-branded. Now, uh, I, I, I won't comment on whether or not the shows are going to be dual-branded because that news hasn't been released yet, uh, but... I don't think it's, I, I, I think it's, it's a good idea for the quality of the shows, that the shows go back to being single, uh, dual branded, because I, I don't think, it, I only some, half of the pay-per-views have been really great, you know, like, and, and, and most of them have been raw pay-per-views just because of the star power, like, you know, putting Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar onto Great Balls of Fire, shows like that were really, really spectacular. But then you have, like, three pay-per-views headlined by the same match. You know? you Like, like uh, Jinder Mahal and Randy Orton headlined, like, three different pay-per-views. You had, uh, I don't know, you, you fell into this thing where stories started being told over multiple pay-per-views because you had to fill these pay-per-views because you're doing one every two weeks. So I think it's, I think it's a good idea for WWE to go back to doing one pay-per-view a month, if that's what they're going to do. I don't know. Um, but part of me wishes they would keep some of these things single-branded just because of the opportunity it allows people. You know, there was a moment when the initial draft split happened where there still weren't more than like 13 pay-per-views a year. It's just the gaps between the single-branded pay-per-views were longer, meaning if you've got two months, like let's say uh, between you've got, well, you're doing what you're doing this 
time, right? You've got January Royal Rumble. February is a Raw pay-per-view. March is a SmackDown pay-per-view. April is WrestleMania. May is a Raw pay-per-view. Uh, April is... I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, June is a SmackDown pay-per-view. July is a Raw pay-per-view. August is SummerSlam. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so opposed to stretching pay-per-views out like that. It would definitely make people hungry for stories to get paid off. Um, but that's probably the best of both worlds is to, if you stretched it out like that, where you still kept the single branded pay-per-views, but just did less shows. Um, I think that that would be, could be good for programming. Um, just because when you do dual branded shows, you're going to end up with people like, like Rusev Day, like, would 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 Benjamin and Gable have the opportunity to shine? Would you know like all these all these guys that at one point in the year were pretty low on the on the roster that have now been able to jump up because they've had room at these pay per views. I mean, I also think part of it is you got to spread the talent out a little more evenly. Raw is talent heavy. You know, if you move some of those Raw guys over to SmackDown, I think you'd have a lot more of an easy time getting people to show up to SmackDown shows. Um, it says, uh, they could split TV and just have pay-per-view features for both brands. There doesn't have to be any mixing until the, they could leave TV split and just have the pay-per-view features. There doesn't have, I don't know what you're talking about. Big four slash money in the bank. Meaning that there doesn't have to be any single brand of pay-per-views at all. Do we go back to a five pay-per-view a year model? That's never going to happen. I think we've gotten used to there being at least 12 to 14 pay-per-views a year. I don't think we're ever going to get back to a place where we're only doing a big four or big five. Like, I don't think that that's ever going to happen. We have to do monthly pay-per-views at least. The issue now is we're doing them every two to three weeks. Um, if you make the pay-per-view dual branded, what's the point in the brand split? Um, you know, I don't think that it leaves the brand split pointless. I just... This is what happened with the last brand split is you start combining the pay-per-views then then you combine the champions into what like then people start floating back and forth well this time for one night only they're over here for one night only they're over there and how do you promote survivor series the one time of the year when raw and smackdown go head to head in in uh one time of the year when raw and smackdown compete in head-to-head competition that's not true anymore well unless the dual brand of pay-per-views are not they wouldn't compete with each other. They would just have separate. That's possible. Um, I don't know. Um, the other thing that you have to keep in mind is um, you could still do network specials, right? You could still televise house shows, which I think would be interesting. You know, if you do less pay-per-views, but like SmackDown is going to be in the Barclays Center and you just put it on TV and you did some cool stuff there. Uh, I think that I think that I, I do wish that more house shows were televised. I wish that that were utilized a little bit more, and I think that that could be a way out. That you're like just make super shows instead of pay per views. Do your twelve pay per views a year, make them dual branded, but then do a Saturday night's main event on the network. Bring you know make those do specials. Saturday night's main event. Make a a King of the Ring tournament. That, okay, well we got we're doing a house show in in whatever city this is. Let's turn it into the King of the Ring this year. Do stuff like that to separate the brands and make it so that the same way the house show is SmackDown specific, well this is a SmackDown specific super show. 
and it's going to be exclusively on the network. You know, I think that, uh, I think that, that could be good. Yeah. Franklin says they hijacked too much talent from SmackDown, uh, in the last, uh, shakeup. And I think that, the, that that's true. I think pay-per-views should have those special entrances like before. Remember, like the entrance ramp was always different. Uh, yeah. I mean, if we don't have pyro, I don't, uh, plus in H here's the thing. They used to build sets. Well, they didn't, they used to used to not build those sets. And then for a while they were building unique sets for each event and then they weren't anymore. And I think it does become more and more difficult to do that in HD. And, you know, I don't know. I'm not so hung up on, on that. I, I, I would like it, but I'm not, I don't think it makes that huge of a difference. But yeah, do, uh, do Tuesday in Texas. Do stuff like that. Ring of Honor did uh, that televised house show last week in North Carolina. It's my first Ring of Honor show, and I see what the hype's about. Well, exactly. Lawrence just wrote that on Facebook. What have you utilized Facebook? What have you said? Okay, well, we're gonna put. We've got a. We've got a house show in North. The WWE. What if Starcade was on Facebook? Wouldn't you have watched it? If they put the Starcade house show on Facebook, I think I. I would watch it on Facebook Live. I think that'd be exciting, and it would maybe. Although I think it has to, and maybe then you you put it right on the network to uh, maintain the value of that nine ninety nine a month. Although I mean, you know, without being a shill, it's easily the best value. Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast on Stitcher Premium at Stitcher dot com slash not Sam. That's the best value in wrestling content. But close second is the WWE Network at nine ninety nine. But yeah, I would I would I would try to. If you're going to do less pay-per-views, which I don't know if they will or not, we're just uh, speculating, uh, I would put on super shows, house shows, and and things like that. All right, guys, uh, I appreciate you guys uh, being a part of this thing. I appreciate you guys listening to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast once again. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel. The Renee interview will be up in days if it's not already. The Titus O'Neil interview is already up there. And, of course, every week we put the podcast up. Uh, on YouTube, the entire audio of it. So if that's easier for you to listen to, listen to it on YouTube. Be my guest. It's the same. Don't forget to subscribe to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast on Stitcher Premium at stitcher.com slash notsam. And we will see you next week right here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Toodles. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.